afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. You're tuning in live now with your girl, uh, Shirley Nichols with Mortgage Money with Shirley. Yes. I am so excited to be here with you all today. I hope that you have share tagged and invited a few of your friends, co-workers and for your relatives, yes, everybody, everybody, come on in, come on in and join today's podcast. We're streaming live now, and the YouTube channel is Morris Media Studios. So tune in to YouTube or my Facebook page, my personal page at Shirley Nichols, or you can also choose to tune in at my business page, Clear, Stock, Clear Sky Mortgage and Realty. Um, so all kinds of places you can find us streaming live right now in the Morris Media Studios in Los Angeles, California. So again, you're tuning in with your girl, Mortgage Money with Shirley, on today's podcast, June the fourth, June the 16th, Wednesday, June the 16th. I keep thinking about Monday on the 14th because so much has happened this week already. I know it's only midweek and it's only the third day of the week, but y'all, let me tell you, let me tell you, it has been one crazy week already. So again, we are live streaming right here in Morris Media Studios. Feel, feel free to leave any comments, questions, or concerns on my Facebook page with Shirley Nichols or the business page, Clear Sky Mortgage and Realty, or you can actually call in. You can call in live right now in the studios, and we will be taking questions at the end of the show. So feel free to call in if you want. That number is area code 323-815-4204. Again, that number is 323 323- 815-4204. So feel free, go ahead and call into the studios if you like on today's podcast and I will answer your questions or you can, you know, talk to me after the show. You can inbox me, uh, message me or call me at 818-720-7575. I'll give you that number again at the end of the show. I don't want to confuse you with the studio phone number. So again, you're live now with Mortgage Money with Shirley and let's get started with episode seven. Episode seven, we're going to talk to you about debts, creditors, and assets. Debts, creditors, and assets on episode seven. It's very important that you all understand some of these terms and meanings of what we're talking about in the mortgage business. As I've said before on some of my uh, previous podcasts, um, I've been in the mortgage business 28 plus years. I'm a mortgage broker. I'm also a realtor, a real estate broker. So I have a plethora of knowledge that I want to share with you all, but the guidelines are forever changing in this business. You know, we had COVID pandemic guidelines. <laughs> we had market crash guidelines. We got guidelines that are just everyday guidelines. We got guidelines in the mortgage business. We do. And that is very important when you're trying to get approved to refinance a house or purchase your first home or purchase some investment properties. You all need to understand what it is that these lenders and underwriters are looking for to qualify you. You need to understand the key words and phrases and terminology. So we're going to talk about the basic stuff, the most important basic stuff, the debts, the creditors, the assets right here on episode seven. So let's just jump into it. And, I'm, and, and I like to kind of, uh, I don't want to say the word teach, but I like to give information by example. You know, some of the stuff that's happened over the years, some of the stuff that has happened right now this week. So let's talk about it. You know, I had a question uh, with a client that I'm going to be working with, but they need to do something with their credit before we kind of get started, you know. Um, and what I'm talking about is this. Let's talk about the debt, okay? 
Sometimes I have questions of, Shirley, did I need to pay off all these credit cards that I have before I start my application process with you? I can't say there's a definitive yes or no that you need to pay off those creditors. I won't know unless I'm looking at your credit report and looking at how much income you're making. Sometimes it's not important to pay off all the debts that you have on your credit report, okay? It's not important that you pay off the Macy's, the Target, the Visa, the American Express. Sometimes it's just not as important because you've got the income to supply it. But then again, there's some people that want to work on their credit score. Now, I will say this. Listen very carefully. I am not a credit repair person by no stretch of the means. Do I advocate for credit repair companies? Mm, we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> but by no stretch of the means am I a credit repair person. But I can tell you what I know from being in this business for the 28 plus years. Sometimes there's creditors that end up being collections. Okay. If you pull your credit report, you'll see sometimes there are collections because you, oops, forgot to pay it, or oops, I didn't know about it, or oops, it wasn't mine. They end up in collections. The biggest collections out there right now that I continuously see on people's credit report are medical collections. And then I get that same question, Shirley, do I have to pay out this medical collection? I don't even know it's mine. I didn't even do this. I didn't go to the hospital. Okay, so let's stop. With the medical collections, nine times out of 10, what has happened is the insurance company that you thought you were 100% insured with, and when you went to the ER that day or the urgent care that day and didn't realize that they were charging you $100 copay to see them, but they were also charging your insurance company, you may not have known there was a small balance that your insurance company just simply, they're not paying. And they leave it to you, the patient, to pay for it. Well, what happens is you get that medical bill, that billing statement, and it'll say, this is a bill instead of this is not a bill. It'll say, this is a bill. And some of you all just throw it in the trash. Well, guess what? It's going to catch up with you sooner or later. I've seen it over and over and over again. And what typically happens is because that insurance company has billed you and you decided that oh, nah, I'm not going to pay that. Or the hospital has billed you, whomever, the doctor, whomever who has billed you, you decided not to pay it. And so they said, oh, you know, it's been two years. I'm going to send it to a collection. So in two years time, and it gets to the collection company, the collection sends you a bill. And then you're thinking, I didn't go to the urgent care. When did this happen? Two years ago? Um, no, that wasn't me. That was my little baby, John John. Okay, well, whomever it was that was tied to your insurance, your, your insurance company, there's a bill in place. And yes, you might have thrown it away two years ago, but now collections has caught up to you. Yes. Collections wants their money. So what I say to you is this, going back to the original question that my client asked, should I be paying off all these debts on my credit report and this collection? What you should be doing is contacting that collection company first before you go out on a limb and just pay them money, call them. And what you'll need to get is a payoff demand a payoff demand because what happened two years ago and by the time it gets to collections, now what was $100 is now a thousand dollars. Yeah. Because collections and your insurance company, whomever they get, by the time they get that bill to you from the collections company, they've got interest penalties and more penalties and they want their money. 
okay? Because they had to come looking for you. So <laughs> they want their search and find money. So before you pay them, call them and say, hey, listen, what is my payoff demand? Because everything you do with these collection companies has to be, it needs to be, and should be in writing, okay? So make sure you're calling them, getting your payoff demand good through a certain date. You know, if you call them on June 1 and you plan on paying them June 15th, you know, make sure you get a payoff date good through like June 30th. Always get your good through date because, again, that interest and penalties, they're accruing that stuff every single day. So you want to make sure you hold them to a dollar amount by a specific date. OK, get that payoff letter in your hand, pay them the money and then get a receipt in your hand. Everything that you do with collections needs to be in writing. They forget. They don't care about you. <laughs> I'm sorry, but get it in writing. Nonetheless, get it in writing. Okay. Um, and now the question is, should I be paying them off? Well, it depends, you know, in lending again, we've talked in the past on previous podcasts, we've talked about FHA government loans, VA loans. We've talked about your conventional conforming loans. Some of these loan programs will not require you to pay off that medical collection. Okay. And if you don't pay out the medical collection, it depends on the loan program. Like I said, I can't give you a definitive yes or no, whether or not you should pay off these medical collections or collections at all because it depends on the loan program that you're with, okay? Again, some programs, some lending programs, loan programs will allow you to have medical collections as long as they're not over a certain dollar amount, you know, be it $500, $1,500. It just depends on the loan program, okay? So don't get overly anxious because, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I got all these collection accounts. I need to do away with them. But medical collections specifically, Talk to your lender, talk to your loan officer, talk to your loan broker before you dive in to just hurry, 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 pay off all these collections, okay? Now, that's medical collections. Let's talk a, bit, a little bit about like your targets, your, your uh, T-Mobile. Oh my goodness, I see T-Mobile collections more than anything and Verizon. Y'all stay away from T-Mobile and Verizon. No, I'm sorry, T-Mobile. I'm sorry, Verizon users. I'm sorry. But I see those collections on people's credit report more often than anyone else. Should you pay off those type of collections? Again, it's going to depend on that loan program that you're with, okay? Because if it's $300, you probably can get away with not paying them. But if you are going to pay them, again, call them on the phone. Get your payoff demand with a good through date. And then when you pay them, get a receipt. Okay. Does this help your credit scores was the next question I get. Again, I don't work at the credit bureaus, but what I can tell you from experience, going back to, should you even pay it? If you do pay it, sometimes your score will do this before it does this. Okay. Because what happens is that collection is a trigger point for the date of when action occurs. Right. So if you haven't had any action on this collection account for two years, your credit scores has, you know, done whatever they're going to do over the course of that two years. And now you're at this point, you want to buy a property or you want to refinance a property and you go, oh, my gosh, I got this collections. Well, for two years, the, the collections has done what we call letting sleeping dogs lie. You know, it's been dormant. It has not had any action on it. But as soon as you pay it, boom. Now what you have on your credit report is a paid collection, a paid collection. But the key word is collection. It's still a collection. And a collection is a 
derogatory mark on your credit report. I mean, just simple and plain as that. A collection is a derogatory mark on your credit report. So if you've gotten away with it for two years and then you push that button and pay it, now it's going to say paid collection. But you've re-triggered that credit report. You've woke up the sleeping dog and now your credit report typically does this before it does this when you pay off a collection. You know, and will it go back up? Of course it'll go back up. It'll go back up even higher than what it was before you even paid it. It will go back up eventually over time. Will it take that two years that you did nothing for? No, it won't take that long. But I will say this, it, ironically, like I said, it doesn't happen right away. So you may pay it off in June and your score dips in June. It may go back up at the end of July or August. It may I don't know. I don't work at the credit reporting agency. But that is why it's very key to talk with your loan officer, your broker, your mortgage rep, before you decide to just dive in and pay off collections, okay? So that's that part about collections on the debts on the credit report. Other debts on the credit report, should you be paying them off? Let's talk about it. Actually, I've got an American Express. American Express is just, it's notorious for tampering, and I'll say tampering, with people's debt-to-income ratio, right? The amount of debts that are coming in versus the money that's coming in. I should, I'm sorry, the amount of debts that you're paying out versus the money coming in, your debt-to-income ratio. It kind of teeter-totters with American Express because there are a lot of American Express programs out there that will allow you to pay the complete balance off in full every month, right? There are some American Express bills out there that will allow you to pay it per month. But I see more often than not with the clients I work with, they'll have an American Express bill of $5,000, right? But in the payment column on the credit report, it'll also show $5,000 because they have that American Express program where it's the balance and then the payment is the full balance, okay? So they'll have on the credit report, if you've ever pulled your own credit or looked at your credit report, you'll have a balance column, a high balance column, and a payment column. Typically on American Express with the clients I work with, you'll see the high balance column and the balance column the same along with that payment column being the same $5,000 because they're paying it off monthly. Well, if we didn't know that going in, then their debt to income ratio would be interrupted <laughs> and they would probably not qualify because it's a $5,000 payment in that payment column. So when you're talking about should we pay off debts, it depends on what these balances and these, and these payments are. You know, Again, if you've got a Macy's charge and your payment is $30, do you need to pay off that $1,000 balance? Probably not. You know, it's just all depending on what it is that you all are trying to qualify for. Because I'll say this, and this is cardinal rule number one, and it's not just a myth. <laughs> it is not just a myth. So I'll dispel that notion out of your head right now. But it is cardinal rule number one. It takes credit to get credit. That's it. It takes credit to get credit. Okay, so but you can also be in a catch 22 and have too much credit and then you've got a little bit of a problem or you could have not enough credit. So I, you know, again, after all these years in this business, there are some clients that still believe in I don't want to use a credit card. I don't want to use a credit card. That's fine. You know, but again, based off of your credit score, you may need to get a gas card, a Shell or Chevron or mobile gas card and go charge 50 bucks and pay it off at the end of the month. But at least you've got something. Now, make no mistake again, I'll say it again. There is a catch 22, a little conundrum 
if you don't have enough credit. So having one gas card is not enough. It's just not enough. And I know some of the old school clients, oh, I don't want it. I don't want this credit. I don't want this credit. I don't. We're not saying go max out the credit cards by no stretch of the means, but get some credit, okay? Charge a little bit, pay it off at the end of the month. But give yourself a full 30 days in between your charging and paying it off. Because again, the credit report, they report every 30 days, right? That's the cycle, every 30 days. But if Chevron is not sending in anything into the bureau until maybe 45 days or maybe every 20 days, you've got to allow that payment or that balance that you've obtained, you've got to allow it some seasoning, right? Some seasoning on the credit report so that it has time to rate, okay? So keep that in mind. If you're, you know, one who goes out and charges something, pays it right off, give yourself at least a 30-day span so that your credit scores can rate it, okay? Okay, so that's debts. Let's go into, I'm going to jump over to assets because I want to talk to you all about assets versus reserves. It's a difference. And I, I know it sounds like, well, what do you mean, Shirley? I mean, assets are my assets and I got the reserves. But there's a difference. Those are actually two separate things. For all of you all who have been doing lending all this time, who, who are seasoned buyers and homeowners, yeah, there's a difference between assets and reserves. Those are two separate things. So let's talk about it. And, and because, in case you wanted to know the definition, the lender's definition, I printed it out. So we can discuss this and make sure you understand fully what the difference of asset and reserve is. So I'm going to just read it word for word. It says, reserves are borrower's assets remaining after the mortgage closing. That's what it says right here. I'm not making this stuff up. This is what the lender is deeming the terminology for reserves versus assets. Reserves are borrower's assets remaining after the mortgage closing. What does that mean, Shirley? Okay, so assets, that's what you need to qualify for the loan, yes, and sometimes what you need for your down payment if you're buying a house, right? Now, there are some refinances that will happen every now and again that they'll say, oh, you're short to close, and I know you're thinking, but I'm doing a refinance, but keep in mind, there are refinances that are just rate and term, meaning all you're doing is refinancing what you currently owe, okay, right? And you're refinancing that into a lower interest rate and payment, right? So you're not taking out any cash. You're not borrowing any more than what you currently owe. So that is just a rate and term refinance. Happens all the time and has been happening so much this year. Thank you, Jesus, for the business. But that's why we stay continuously busy in this business, all right? So reserves. And assets. The assets, when you're doing a refinance, and even if you're doing a rate and term, you may need assets to bring to the closing table to help you close out this rate and term. On a purchase, you need assets to put for your down payment, closing costs to get that purchase loan closed. Let's talk about what reserves are, okay? When you're buying an investment property, and even when you're refinancing and you've got multiple properties, you need something called reserves. And reserves, are, again, are after you've, you've gotten your assets together to, to put down for your purchase closing costs and your down payment. This is after all of that. Because you're buying 
a property when you already have five and six other properties, right? You're a huge investor and all you do is buy up all these properties, property, property, property. So each property that you've bought, you may or may not have a mortgage payment on there. If you have a mortgage payment on these properties, these other properties, other than the primary owner occupied property that you're going to live in, other than this property, you've got all these other properties. Well, guess what? If you have mortgages on all these other properties, you have to have reserves to show that you can afford it if that tenant walks out, right? Those are the reserves that the lender are talking about. So the reserves comprise of just the monthly p- the payment on the mortgage, right? So if you've got five houses that you're not living in, these are five of your rental properties and they've got five different mortgages and all of these mortgages are $1,000 each, right? So that's $5,000 that you have and combined mortgages on these five properties. The lender expects for you to have six payments of, the, of these five property mortgages. So if they were all totaled up to be $5,000 and you needed six payments of the mortgages, you need $30,000. That is in addition to your assets. That $30,000 is strictly used for reserves to make sure, again, these five other properties that you have, that in the event the tenant walks out, well, you've got enough money to pay for those properties until you replace them with somebody else, (laughs) right? Okay, so, and I, and oh, wait. And I actually, I think I said that backwards. I'm going to have to pause for one second and go back. If you have five different properties and they're each $1,000 mortgages each, again, you'll need six months worth of those payments. So did I say that right? $30,000? Okay. So just keep that in mind, all right? That's your reserves. Your assets are separate. That's what you use to close the loan. That's what you needed for your down payment or your closing costs. Or like I said, if you were refinancing, that's what you may have needed if you were short to close. If you were short to close on your rate and term because your lender didn't want to increase your loan or if you didn't want to increase your loan amount, that's the same thing, then you may have a short to close. And it's never, you know, thousands and thousands, but sometimes people have a short to close, maybe eight, nine hundred dollars, maybe even a thousand bucks. But that's in addition to whatever your closing costs and everything to close out this loan, then there's the reserves. So keep that in mind. Very important. Assets versus reserves, two separately entirely different things. Okay. So now we talked about your debts. We've talked about your assets and reserves. Let's talk about the creditors. Okay. That's the last thing I want to talk to you all about. Again, debts are what's showing up on your credit report. And that's what the creditors are. They're showing up on your credit report. But again, I just want to make sure I'm driving home the point about creditors and debts and assets and reserves, because the creditors are those that are, yes, showing up on your credit report, but there's also sometimes stuff doesn't always show up on the credit report. And here's an example of what happened this week. (laughs) There's a mortgage payment, right? That is not showing up on your credit report, right? Yeah, that happens sometimes. Sometimes people have hard money lenders or sometimes that property uh, mortgage payment might've been assumed or inherited or something to that, to that effect, right? And there's no mortgage payment showing up on your bureau, on your credit report. But that's still a creditor who is looking for their monthly payment every month, right? So again, this is the difference between creditor and debts. Debts are what's on the credit report. And then the same thing with the creditors. They typically appear on the credit report. But even when they don't appear on the credit report and we find out about that creditor is, you know, that has a monthly payment, 
that they're expecting from you that is still going to count against your debt to income ratio. What do you mean by that, Shirley? Okay, this week <laughs> I had a client, right, who's making a mortgage payment for a mortgage that did not report to her credit report. Well, how'd you find out about that, Shirley? How we found out about it is because she needed to show reserves, right? How do you show reserves, Shirley? Well, typically we're going to get these bank statements, right? We're going to ask you for a couple of bank statements and on the bank statement, it's going to show, oh, June 1, you paid this amount for this mortgage company. Yeah, because they're doing um, a withdrawal, an automatic withdrawal from their bank account straight to the mortgage company, right? And so May's bank statement on May 1, XYZ to this mortgage company and June's bank statement, June 1, XYZ to this mortgage company. So there was a pattern of a mortgage payment being deducted out of the bank statement. So trigger, ding, 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 ding. I asked you for asset statements, right? I asked you for the reserves. I'm sorry, let's go with reserves. Let's stay on track with that. I asked you for bank statements to show your reserves that you can qualify for this property because you have other properties, right? But this particular mortgage payment, we never factored it into the debt to income ratio because it wasn't on the credit report. And I've talked to you all about how things that are not on the credit report, we don't count them like cable bills, water bills, and all that kind of stuff. We don't count that stuff on your credit that's not on the credit report. But if we don't, know it and we don't see it on the mortgage or the credit report that there's a mortgage payment that's being deducted every single month, then we find out through the bank statement. Now we have to count that debt against you, right? Now there are exceptions to be made. Um, there could be reasons why she's paying this specific, specific mortgage payment. There may be reasons why. And then, like I said, there's always some kind of exception to the rule. So it may be whatever the reason why she's paying it. But the, the thing I want you all to consider and to understand, child support, alimony, any type of judgment that's not reporting on the credit bureau and we ask you for these bank statements and then bada boom, bada bing, the skies open up and uh-oh, there is a child support payment on the bank statement and it's consistent. We're gonna inquire about that because now the underwriter has to take that into consideration of what your debt to income ratio actually looks like and qualifies you for, okay? So keep that in mind. There are things that we'll have to um, be counted for. And I keep looking at the time because once again, why has this time just evaporated from us? Y'all, I, I promise here with Mortgage Money with Shirley, y'all, we could go on and on and on and talk about this good stuff. But some of this stuff is so important. I think that is, it may sound basic, but it's so very needed and for you all to understand. And I want to bring this to your attention because I just need you to know it. <laughs> but yes, there are some things, again, that aren't appearing on your credit report. And we're almost out of time. But I will say this, assets, reserves, two separate things. Make sure you have both if you are buying multiple property. Very important. Creditors and debts. What's on the bureau, we're counting it. What's off of the bureau, if we see it, we're going to eventually count it. If there is an exception, it may not be counted. But one more thing to point out about these debts and creditors. If you have student loans, if you have car installments, not car leases. I've talked about that in the past as well. But if you have student loans or car loans or installment loans that have less than 10 payments to go, 99% of the time, they won't have to count that debt against you. 
So again, if you're looking at the bureau and going, oh my gosh, all these little bills I need to pay off. What should I pay off? Do I need to pay them off? Make sure you're talking to your mortgage broker before you dive in to start paying stuff off. Because if there's less than 10 payments for your auto loan that you have, you, you know, you have this nice Mercedes at home and you only have 10 payments left. We don't have to count that $1,000 payment against you. We just, we don't have to do that in lending guidelines. Okay. So make sure you're talking with your mortgage broker and letting us know what you think you want to pay off before you pay it off. Call us. Okay. So I hope you all have, you know, picked up a little tidbit or two from today's podcast, Mortgage Money with Shirley. I hope you all enjoyed the podcast. I am on twice a month. The first and third Wednesday or Thursday of the month. The first and third Wednesday or Thursday of the month. Each month, I'm be right here in Morris Media Studios. I'm going to be right here. So again, if you all ever want to call in direct while I'm here on live, the area code 323-815-4204. Always feel free to call in. I'll take your calls, answer your questions. And if not, you miss us here Always feel free to replay, replay, still invite your friends and family and your coworkers to the show. And I will pick up any comments, questions, or concerns that you have if you leave them in the Facebook comment. Or, or you can always call me. 818-720-7575 is my direct line. 818-720-7575 is where you'll reach me. And I promise to answer your questions if I can, or I'll go get the answer. <laughs> But you're on with your girl, Mortgage Money with Shirley. I just love this business, and I hope to see you all next time. Uh, it will be the first Wednesday of July, okay? So I hope you all having a blessed, great Wednesday. It was fun, and uh, yeah, call me if you need to, okay? Hope this helped. Talk to you soon.